Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Touchdown Wire matchup preview podcast. Myself, uh, Doug Farrar, the editor of Touchdown Wire, and Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy. Mark, it's conference championship time. It is conference championship time. Uh, I think we got two pretty good games. Yeah, Yeah. I got a stat for you. The top four passing offenses since in DVOA since week 10. Number one, Packers. Number two, Bucks. Number three, Bills. Number four, Chiefs. Yeah, it's funny and, how that works out. Up in Seattle, we just want to run the ball more. Yeah, because that's what helps in 2021. Um, yeah, okay. So speaking of 2021, before we get into the games, I wanted to um, – I know you did a thing about whether Rivers, Philip Rivers, who retired this week, is a Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't think there's any question. I think if – like the, the best part of his career, A.J. Smith, who was the Chargers GM, was like actively pissing everyone off and trying to demolish the rosters – um, you know, uh, so my question is he a Hall of Famer? And secondly, you know, a guy who stands in the pocket and is tough in the pocket really doesn't have any set like second reaction ability, almost a Drew Bledsoe to a point. Is he the last of his kind? So, those are my two questions about Philip Rivers for you. Yeah, and and I wrote briefly this week that I think he's the Hall of Famer. And I, I know I mean, a lot of people just use throw that question out. He's a Hall of Famer and shut up. Let's move yeah. on. I mean, I, is he the last of his kind? I, I, I still think, and you know this too, you've written about this a lot. Football is so cyclical. You know, it, it seems like right now he would be the last of his kind, a dying breed, a dinosaur, the battleship kind of quarterback that can't get out of his own way. Um, as we're moving to guys like Kyler Murray and Trevor Lawrence, who's obviously mobile, all, really all four of the top quarterbacks in this class are really mobile. So you're going to see the athleticism. I still think in the back of my mind, though, you know, you'll see that swing back. You'll see the pendulum swing because the bell checks, the smarter defensive minds will start getting big and tough. Um, you know, if all these defenses now are going to really sort of get light, get fast, get small, start running 21 personnel. Belichick's shown that already. Shanahan, others, you know, they'll start beating you up up front. Um so the pendulum will swing back. So I don't think he's the last of his kind, but he's going to be the last I think we'll see for a while. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I was talking to someone whose opinion I really respect about Kyle Trask this week, and and one thing this person said was, well, he has trouble moving in a kind of a second reaction way effectively. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a death sentence in today's NFL. I, I just don't, you know, not not because I haven't really studied Kyle Trask yet, so I, I can't, like, back that up and say, oh, yes, I believe this is true. But if if that's the case, then – He's got a real set of problems. In, yeah, and in, I think in, that's in, why in his NFL, if you don't have second reaction ability, I think you're kind of screwed. Yeah, and I think that's why Kyle Trask slides to the second day of the draft. Um, I, I, I don't, I know there are people that said, look, he might sneak into the first round. I don't see it, um, and I will second that person you talked to sort of quick evaluation of him, which is if there's a question mark on him, it's certainly that athleticism. Like he's more of a Rivers than a Murray, more of a you know, Bledsoe, then Lawrence. And, and, and so that's why he's going to slide. And will it be a deep slide into day three? I don't think so because quarterbacks always get pushed up boards anyway. And all it takes is one. It takes all one. it takes I is one. I can fix team. him. I can fix him. And, and Famous we, last we, words always yeah. quarterbacks. We know Dr. Fix-It is the thing that kills so many teams when they make quarterback decisions. You might um, as well say, I'm about to get fired, right? Yeah. After you say, I can fix this guy. Someone's going to do it with Wentz, and they're going to get fired. Um, yes, that's I can fix the quarterback. Merges seamlessly into I'm going to get fired. So yep. there you go. 
little little hot tip for you future quarterback developers out there right good boy speaking of again uh, i just want to touch on a couple of things before we get into the games we've got a lot to unpack here uh the rundown is large Lamar and Goff, two quarterbacks, a lot of question marks. And you and I have both written about, I mean, I've written about Goff. I, 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 you know, I'm probably 10 times less impressed with Goff than you are. Um, Lamar, I'm still on the fence. Um, You know, I I think with Lamar, his ultimate upside is what Vic became in Philadelphia, but Vic was a much better passer. And with Goff, I just, you know, there are two kinds of quarterbacks who scare me to death. There's the one who absolutely needs everything to be perfect before he can, you know, produce at a viable rate. And that's Goff. It's Garoppolo. I'm starting to think it's Wentz. You know, these guys who, if any one part of it, you know, if any of the blocks in the tower, you pull one block and the whole thing goes, I don't want that guy. And with Lamar, and I'm not in his head, I don't want to say this is empirically true, but it feels like with what they have him doing, he's so confident in the run game and his ability to run. That guy scares the crap out of me too. So where do you stand with these two guys who, you know, Sean McVay, I've never heard him sound so noncommittal about Goff and with Jackson, you know, it's not just, well, can they win a, you know, more than one playoff game with him? They're going to have to give him like, you know, $75 bazillion in the next year or so. So what are your thoughts? My, my thoughts initially off the top of my head are those two organizations would love to switch those two quarterbacks because I think Sean McVay wants a quarterback. Well, oh, that's mobility. an interesting construct. Okay. Sean McVay wants a quarterback with mobility. I mean, you, you saw the wildcat Cam Akers stuff against the Packers. That's the reason he went with John Walford. He's looking at today's game and says – I've got a Rivers-esque quarterback in golf who's not exactly mobile. His mobility is Brady style, which is I can create with my feet, create space with my feet. So he wants a mobile quarterback. And in Baltimore, they want a quarterback who's just going to check the boxes, follow the recipe on a given play. Because what Lamar is doing right now, you saw that early in that game against Buffalo. If that first read or if that first two quick looks were not there, his thought is I'm just, I'm just a better athlete right now. So I'm going to run around and either take off or create time with my legs. And he's not checking the boxes. So I think both of those organizations, if you could flip those two QBs right now, they'd be happy with what they've got on offense. And that's not to say that Lamar's a bad quarterback. No, I but I think that those I just, I just, organizations I just, want something else at that position right now. <laughs> I think you're dealing with two guys who are very hit and miss throwers. I think they yeah. struggle with what they see. I think if things aren't schemed, you know, exponentially well for either one of them, Lamar just happens to be the most dynamic athlete at that position since Michael Vick. Um, yeah. So there's your advantage. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, that's an interesting thought. I, I don't know how McVeigh would deal with Lamar's reading ability to put it bluntly, um, but, you know, maybe in that offense he's got slightly better targets. Uh, maybe it works differently. I don't know. Yeah, but, but, I mean, you know, you saw it too Saturday night. Like, like, like the th- third or fourth play of that game, you could tell that Lamar is just like, no, I, I don't like what I'm seeing downfield. And a lot of people are saying that, look, the fix is Kenny Galladay. The fix is Allen Robinson in Baltimore with Lamar. And while that might help, I think the other thing is he needs to – rely less on his athleticism and more on his arm. And that's not happening right now. 
Because I don't think it's I don't think the fix is firing Greg Roman. I, he no. had a, he had a lot of open shots that he just and this has been true all season. Um, you know, I, I yeah, you talked about it like mid mid year. I well, it was I wrote an in depth piece on Lamar right after he said that Greg that Roman's offense was too predictable, and I'm like, okay, uh, because I've been you know beating the Mike McCarthy thing to death since like 2013, so I'm more than willing to blame a coach if the, you know if it's the coach's fault that the passing offense sucks, and it's only Aaron Rodgers that keeps this guy out of the fire. Um, I'm perfectly willing to say that. I just don't think it's Greg Roman's fault. I, I right. think we're schemed open shots, and I think Lamar didn't see him. And I've, yeah. I've talked to a lot of people who are pretty highly connected and know more about this stuff than I do. And we're kind of all in agreement. Like this, this is on Lamar at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, with Goff, I just think the ceiling is right above his head. Yeah. I don't know where to go with that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, again, I, I think McVay just wants more athleticism among a whole host of other things with Goff right now. Um, and he's not getting it. I, I, the money, though, I, I don't know his exact contract situation, but it's not great in terms of trying to get out from under it. They can't get out from under it until 2022. So there you go. There you go. <sighs> Onto the games. Uh, four pretty good quarterbacks. Uh, Buccaneers yeah. at Packers, the Brady and Rodgers guys, they're, they're decent. They're um, pretty good. Having said that, let's start with Green Bay's defense because we haven't talked about this a lot. <laughs> you no. know, we didn't talk about it in the Divisional Round podcast because Jared Goff and who cares. Um, Jay Alexander against the Rams allowed minus three yards in coverage per pro football focus. It's the only time a defender has allowed negative yardage with at least 30 coverage snaps in a game since 2006, which is as far back as PFF's charting goes at this point. Week six against the Buccaneers, he gave up two catches on four targets for 27 yards. Packers defense has improved in the second half of the season. They've gone from 22nd to 12th in total defensive DVOA from 19th to 10th against the pass, which is more important than the run because they don't really run. Although I think Ronald Jones is better than people think he is. Uh, but this Buccaneers offense is also a different beast. They've gone from the different beast. They've gone from 11th to second in total DVOA, 13th to second in passing DVOA, 14th to fifth in rushing DVOA, even though they don't run a lot. Since week 10, Green Bay and Tampa Bay have the NFL's two best offenses in passing DVOA. And they're kind of mirror images of each other, although the Buccaneers don't run. Both Brady and Rodgers are tremendously effective out of 12 personnel, especially in the second half of the season, especially as Tampa Bay's offense has kind of come together. Um, I was asking Bruce Arians yesterday on on the, the Buccaneers Zoom availability, like how often do you get together with Tom Brady and you know, how does Brady say this and you say that? And you, you know, he said, we do it all the time. Byron left, which is a big part of it. Um, I think when you look at the motion numbers and the play action numbers and just the, how much more diverse they are pre-snap, I think it's, I think it's Brady saying to Arians look, and, and there have been, you know, intimations to the effect that, Brady's allowed to quote unquote coach in Tampa Bay. Like he never was in new England. So you could infer that maybe he's calling more of the shots, but you know, we, we talk so much about green Bay's passing offense, the number one scoring offense. Um, these are two very similar, similarly constructed offenses in the passing game. Now in the run game, it's a completely different monster. And we'll get to that in a minute, but from the passing game, it, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's very close. I, I think, 
you know, Green Bay's done it all year, throwing out of heavier personnel groups. I mean, whether it's 12, whether it's 22, LaFleur's done a really good job at that. He's done a really good job at getting, you know, Tanya involved in the passing game. We've talked a lot about LaFleur as a play caller. And then to Tampa Bay, the way they sort of figured it out down the stretch with the 12 personnel doing some different stuff. And it's weird. It's like this weird, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the vertical slash mesh, the stuff that they're doing is, is, is uh, super Bruce fun. Is running mesh. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's was, it was a stunner. It was just an absolute stunner. It's, it's like a new day in America. I do not recognize this. Um, you know, I, I think they're similar quarterbacks in a sense, you know, I mean, obviously Rogers is more mobile, but they're guys that can, for the most part, beat you with their mind. You know, talk about the Rogers smile. Like both of these guys know most of the time. I was actually wrong on that. It wasn't that play. It wasn't the Lazard. I got that wrong. So, yeah, but still, you know. but still. I mean, Rogers I, was. You know, what's what's the Ty, Tyra Banks smize smile with your eyes? Yeah, my wife used to watch Next Top Model, so you know he was oh, smizing yeah, at that moment. Wife watched it. Okay, whatever. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, I, right. I admit, I admit, I admit. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I think these are, are similar quarterbacks in a sense that they can carve you up with their mind before they carve you up with their arm. You know, Brady has some throws that he probably shouldn't make right now. Um, the deep out route, you know time into the boundary that's a tougher you know shot for him to hit but these are two really good quarterbacks and i think these defenses will have their hands full um with what these offenses can do in the passing game this week so tell me per the article you wrote because we switched conferences um i i i went to mark on monday and said because i had done the nfc we've done 30 all 22 pieces in the last three weeks that's a lot it's a lot. Uh, and I said to Mark, I don't think I can write about Packers Buccaneers anymore. Can we switch conferences? So you had uh, NFC. Tell me per the article you wrote, why cover three is Green Bay's big problem against Brady? Well, I, th- I think it's twofold. I think one, and we've talked about this idea previously on, on different weeks. You know, if you drop into zone coverage, spot drop into coverages against these guys, you're going to get carved up. Um, and Brady particularly gets cover three has been deadly throughout his entire career because one of the weaknesses in cover three, as you all know, with that single safety in the middle of the field are those seam routes and Brady, you know, other than perhaps Drew Brees has been the best that I've seen at throwing those. And then the other thing is just, you know, charting it out. Green Bay's given up uh, 41 passing plays this year, according to my chart and of gains of 20 yards or more, 18 of those came when they were in cover three. Um, so they've had some struggles with it. They've had some struggles with cover three. You know, and it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, if you're in cover three, you just don't look to where Jair Alexander is. You know, that DVOA number you highlighted from the division around is ridiculous. Um, you can run mirrored concepts. You can run floods. You can run verts. You can run Haas Juke, which we all know is a Brady staple. I haven't seen a ton of that from Tampa Bay this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the gameplay on Sunday. Um, I think you're very really disappointed when there isn't Haas Juke. I, look, I mean, I, I have a, I have the Scrubs auto retweet of the gifts, and I think I need to have a Haas Juke auto retweet rule as well whenever that's mentioned on Twitter. Um, but I, I think that if you're looking at ways to construct a game plan from Brian Leftwich's perspective, from you know Bruce Arians' perspective, you want to have some stuff for the game plan to attack cover three because Green Bay's been vulnerable on it this year. I will add that, and I, I brought up the, we talked about this last week, uh, Packers and Rams. The one way to take Devontae Adams out of a game is to give him too high. Yeah. Two safety coverage, and this doesn't include um, 
the last game because this was from last week's divisional round preview. Uh, this the regular season against two safety coverage, which is cover two, two man cover four, cover six, Tampa two. Adams has 18 catches on 27 targets for 223 yards, 51 yards after the catch and one touchdown. Against single high, cover one, cover three, we'll say combo just for the hell of it. He has 72 catches on 95 targets for 970 yards, 576 yards after the catch and 14 touchdowns. I would say there's a, a somewhat of a disparity. Now I'm looking at Tampa's um, two high numbers. 242 attempts. Only the Raiders have more too high. Uh, they've allowed seven touchdowns, six interceptions. I'm going to go to single high and see what that looks like. Come on. Hamster on the wheel. Dun, yep. dun, 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 dun. Hold music. Uh, Buccaneers. They've given up 20 touchdowns to seven interceptions in single high. So the vulnerabilities go both ways. Yeah. This is per sports info solutions, by the way, whose database is the best. Okay. So yeah, that's, um, so the difference between these two offenses is obviously the run game. And I've said, you know, Ronald Jones, I think is better than people think, but this is a team that ran five times in one game once this season. So, and there's that inside zone or duo meme. <laughs> is it inside zone or duo? And Jeff Schwartz is the best with that. And what we've discovered is that the Packers don't care because they'll just kick your ass either way, zone or yep. duo. Against the, I was watching NFL Turning Point, which outside of NFL matchup is the best NFL show. 21 of the Packers' 36 rushing attempts uh, in the divisional round uh, between the guards, 152 yards and nine first downs. In the regular season, the Packers ran duo on 45 attempts, led the league with 6.7 yards per carry. Inside zone, they had 84 attempts in the regular season, the league best, league tied best, 5.7 yards per carry, 11 total touchdowns out of inside zone and duo. Buccaneers, by the way, are tied with the Panthers, Packers, 5.7 yards per carry out of inside zone. So Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman, uh, now a Twitter celebrity, we love this guy. Uh, this is it. You're going to see both inside zone and duo. So here's how Jeff explained the difference. Inside zone is a zone run scheme where the offensive linemen all step in the direction of the run play with double teams that are vertical and horizontal. The running back is at an angle chasing the butt of the center, which might be described differently depending on the offense. An inside zone can be a run to the tight end or not, and it's most often successful when the running back finds his way to the backside A gap. Duo is a gap scheme run and also is often called power without a puller. It's a downhill run with offensive linemen moving vertical up the field, attempting to build in as many double teams as possible. The running back is downhill on the front side A-gap. Duo is run exclusively to the tight end, so you can start building your double teams with him. The running back finds most success running this play to the call side, but he can hit backside for success if it presents itself. So those are differences. Um, but the Packers don't care. They'll, they'll kick your ass with the inside zone. They'll kick your ass with Duo. And here's where things get interesting because the Packers and Sid Gilman used to say, we create big passing plays out of the run game. Everyone went, huh? Well, that's exactly what Matt LaFleur is doing. Right. Uh, very, very Sid Gilman of them. Against the Rams, Aaron Rodgers had the deep incompletion to Alan Lazard, who dropped the ball out of 12 personnel with the Rams safeties cheating up out of a run look out of single high. They, had, they, were, they were too high, and then they spun. Lazar drops the ball. That's a touchdown. Matt LaFleur tells Rodgers they have to go back to the play and get it when the Rams went back to their quarters coverage, which they do a ton. 
And what have we said about quarters coverage? We said this last week. When your safety's bet on the run, it's cover zero. Literally. Yep. Boom, 58-yard touchdown pass to Lazard. And you have to pay attention to the run fake when the Packers are in 12 personnel. Per sharp football stats, hi, Warren. Green Bay ran the ball on 57% of their plays in 12 personnel in the regular season. 122 attempts, 5.6 yards per carry, four touchdowns. Now, I went back and looked at the week six game where the Buccaneers just demolished Aaron Rodgers in every way possible. And we have a lot to talk about there. Um, when the Bucs were waxing him all over the field, Rodgers threw just twice out of 12 personnel, completed one pass for 13 yards, quick slant to Devontae Adams against man coverage in which both Devin White and Levante David flowed to the run strength. So we're going to talk about quick game against the blitz, but big passing plays out of 12, I think could be because the, obviously the Packers have to go into a different offensive game plan. Um, if Todd Bowles just recreates his entire playbook, who would blame him? Right. But the big passing play out of heavy personnel, you're going to see both offenses attempt to get those. And both offenses have been extremely successful. Yeah. And you know, it's to go back to those coverage numbers, you just rattled off for the bucket ears. They've given up what twenty touchdowns and seven interceptions in single high. Single high, and seven, seven touchdowns and six interceptions and six dropped interceptions in two high. So they're a two high team. Yeah, but if you're coming out and running twelve at that, you're going to force them to get out of two high. Otherwise, you're going to run the ball down their throats. Not so fast, Doctor Schofield, because oh. it might be a thing. A thing. The counter issue for the Packers in this regard: defensive tackle Vita Vea has been out since Week Five with a broken leg. That may be one reason Todd Bowles was so aggressive against the Packers in week six, because he's like, oh, crap, my my 500-pound run-stopping guy is gone. Now i got to get, you know, different. There is estimated to be back for this game 100%, 50%, I don't know. But how good is he against the run? <laughs> this season, when Vea is on the field, the Bucks allowed 2.8 yards per carry without him 4.0. They were still good, but they weren't, like, they were the best run defense in the NFL when Vea was there. Without Vea, Tampa Bay allowed a rushing EPA of minus uh, 0.17. With him, rushing EPA of minus 0.32. So maybe Tampa Bay doesn't have to cheat anybody up to stop the run. If they can not have White and David float to the run strength like they did on that one 12 personnel play action pass to Devontae Adams, then Rodgers on the floor have to go, okay, uh, what next? What's plan B? Because the other thing about this game, Devontae Adams said it, at, at some point in the last few weeks, we didn't really have a plan B against the blitzes, against the Buccaneers. We didn't have a plan B. So I assume plan B is quick game. Yeah. And just a really, you know, a Drew Brees-ish spray chart. But, um, yeah, uh, Rodgers has been – Rodgers has taken, this is for pro football focus, Rodgers has taken four sacks this year when blitzed. Three of them came in that Tampa Bay game. So, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I... But the Via, it, the Via Vea thing, I think... I think that's the that bigger thing. Major part. Yeah. I mean, because if they can stop the run while staying at too high, that takes away Adams. That's where they want to be. I mean, that's that's their dream sort of scenario. So, it might come down to just if they can go... And if so, how effective he's going to be on that leg. Yeah. And historically, well, through the season against too high, it's been uh, MVS and it's been Tanyan. Those have yep. been the guys. And 
because obviously if you're too high and you have, you're playing against the best receiver in football and Devonte Adams, you're going to double him. That's, 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 that's double one boom all day. So that's why Rogers is going to go somewhere else. Cause he's got single, single, single and four guys on Devonte Adams. Well, I'm, you know, I love my guy, but I'm Aaron Rodgers. I'm not stupid. I'm going to throw to the open guy. Right. <clears throat> so let's go to the, uh, the Todd Bowles game plan against the Packers in week six. You've written about it. I've written about it. I thought it was the best defensive game plan I've seen all season. Pressure tied to coverage. Um, yeah, Rodgers has been blitzed per pro football focus 185 times a season, only four sacks. Three of those sacks came in the loss to the Bucks. Rodgers has not been sacked on a blitz since week six. Now, what's the difference? Quick game. You know, the offense is more integrated as far as you're not going to blitz when you have to worry about the run. So that's a big deal. So um, I'll, I'll say this. I think, you know, the, the extent to which Vita Vea can play at the level he was playing at when he was, you know, stopping the run and by the way, catching a touchdown pass um, that, that could be a 340 pound defensive tackle is often thought of as a game changer. I think he could be, I, I yeah. think that's uh, there's a, there's a butterfly effect off of there really that. is. Because then White and David are staying in their gaps. They're moving around and, you know, all that. Uh, speaking of pressure, you wrote a piece on uh, sim pressure against Brady. And I'll just mention that Zadarius Smith could be huge for this because Preston Smith is good. We've said, you know, Kenny Clark, double him, single everyone else because he's really awesome. But Zadarius Smith reminds me a lot of Michael Bennett and he, you can like remember that game where he had 3.5 sacks against the Vikings and he was, every sack was from a different gap. Yep. He's very much like Michael Bennett. You can line him up everywhere. Um, Alex Kappa out, uh, Ali Marpet in fortunately for Tom Brady, but talk about sim pressure against the bucks and how a guy like Zadarius, who is your movable chess piece on the line and from linebacker, you can play, he can get a sack from off ball too. So how does that all work out? Yeah. And the sim pressure piece came about because I figured, look, you know, with a backup guard in, in place of Kappa with steady, you know, how are teams going to attack them? We all know the book on Brady is interior, a gap pressure. So I figured, look, it's going to be stunts, right? They're going to stunt. They're going to twist. Teams are going to do that against them. And when I went through and rewatched all of the sacks that Tampa Bay gave up this year, there weren't that many stunts at all. There was actually one against the Saints where they had uh, DeBario Davis in the A-gap, Hendrickson out a wide nine. Davis comes through the left shoulder of Ali Marpet, and then Hendrickson loops around. Marpet gets caught with his sort of head down. He can't see the looper, comes off it late, and you get the sack. DeMario, that was the Davis, first DeMario Davis, by the way, in my mind, second to Devin White is an off-ball pressure linebacker. Yeah. And no, when you want to talk about Smith, you want to talk about Smith this week with perhaps, you know, what he can do in an off ball, what he can do in different gaps. There you're showing pressure with Davis walked up in the B gap between the guard and the tackle. That's something you might see, but he's really the cheese there because he's just occupying the guard and the tackle. It's Hendrickson looping around, which is the goal. So you might see Preston, I mean, excuse me, Zadaria Smith doing stuff like that. Um, this week against Tampa Bay. But that was the first sack I looked at. I'm like, oh, this is great. My, my theory is right. But then I go through the rest of their sacks. A lot of them really sim pressures. And, you know, the definition I'm using for a sim pressure, because there are different generic definitions out there, would you show potentially five, six, or seven, but you really rush four and you come at them from different angles. And so what does that do? It sort of creates situations where you might have a slide to a guy that's dropping into coverage 
and an overload coming from the other side and you just can't get it blocked up. Or there was a sack, I think it was against uh, the Chiefs. Um, JT O'Sullivan, former quarterback, the QB school on YouTube, does some great videos. Great stuff. Um, he had one on how quarterbacks understand protection. He had this sort of rule of thought, which I think is brilliant. The goal of pass protection is to get as many double teams as you can. Well, the flip side goal to that for a defense should be get as many ones, 1v1s as you can. And on one of the Chiefs' impressions where they had the safety and the linebacker to 4 one, 6 walked up, they both drop. You get a double on the interior, but then three 1v1s, and you win one of them. Um, and other situations where, you know, they're sliding protections to guys that drop and you get that sort of overload look or a bunch of one versus ones on the backside, or you get guys dropping off to take away hot reads for Brady. Uh, New Orleans did that in week one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we've talked about the hot read situation for Brady that he's still t- sort of trying to learn, you know, whether it's a shallow crosser or more vertical release, if you can show pressure, then drop, take away hot reads, take away where Brady wants to go quickly. You know, that's another thing that you can do to sort of trip them up. And that's worked this year against them. And sort of tie Zedaria Smith into that, move him around, have him be the cheese on a lot of these where you're sliding protection towards him because you're worried about him, then drop him off and create those 1v1s. You don't have to do stunts. You can tie those in too. The Giants had a great example. Patrick Graham has been nasty this year, but that is some package all this pressure looks and they looped Leonard Williams all the way around. It was a ridiculous sack, but those are ways I think green Bay can scheme up some pressure on Tom Brady, take away what he wants to do, take away some of those quick throws and hot reads and get after him a bit to make him uncomfortable on Sunday. Guess how many uh, total pressures the Packers linebackers have this year. Um, I'm going to give you a hint. Ed Rooney. And nine, 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 they've pressed nine. nine times. That's it. Nine, nine, nine wow. pressures from Green Bay. Christian. Kirk- also, first of all, Chris Barnes has four. Kamal Martin has three. I mean, we know that the Packers linebackers are a big box of four, but yeah. Yeah. By the way, incredible Ferris Bueller reference right there. Thank you. That was well done. Off the top of my head at 730 in the morning Pacific time. Boom. Wow. Yeah. I'm just glad. I, I'm honestly, I'm kind of stunned that I re, I recalled that too. I know, right? Well, yeah. We're, we're guys talking football. There we go. So yeah, I, my, I guess my question there is if <coughs> Buccaneers know that the Packers linebackers are a big box of, fruit, I mean, does that does it help the linebackers to have the same pressure, or does it just negate? I think it. I think it helps them. Mario Davis, or you know, White and and. and White especially, but both White and David against uh, the Packers in Week Six just demolished the Packers' protections with all kinds of pressure, both right. simply and not. And I will say um, they did a, as, as Aaron Rodgers said, the word he used against the Rams for his line was stellar. But they have not picked up protections well at all all season against multifaceted fronts. So you know. Uh, Packers defense is kind of middle of the pack. Uh, the linebackers, as far as pressure, as far as coverage, I mean, yikes. I, I think the sim pressure stuff helps them because, you know, with nine pressures to their credit this year, they clearly not created it. So you have to manufacture it. And this is a way I think you can do it by creating some overload situations, creating some moments when you get an advantageous one-on-one, you know, maybe they do have to do some stunt stuff as well. Um, 
you know, where you're going to use Darius Smith as the, you know, the initial penetrating guy, then loop somebody around behind him uh, to get a crease that you can take advantage of. Um, it's going to be tough. And, and you know what Tampa Bay is going to want to do. They're going to protect inside out. Um, you know, Stiddy was good enough. Um, but when you've got Jensen, who won a lot of these, I will say, he would be the guy that would see the overload situation and then fight like hell you know, to get out to the right tackle to try to help somebody. Um, and, you know, he's an incredibly good center. Um, with who, who was the guy he just demolished? Like, I, you feel oh, bad for the guy's entire family. That was the Washington game, right? Because you tweeted that out where he, like, forklifted a dude into the cheap seats. He threw him. Like, he yeah. threw a guy. He just yeah. Bonk. Yeah. Uh, hold on one second. I got one thing. Oh, boy. Let's just do this real quick. Nine times. <laughs> Nine times. Okay. Nine times. Nine times. That's how many times Green Bay's linebackers have pressured opposing quarterbacks. I think you're going to name the, this show the Ferris Bueller podcast. Nine times. Nine times. Okay, moving on. Man, as a kid growing up in the 80s that loved computers, that movie was like right up my alley. There you go. Okay, so after nine times... Uh, yeah, so I insist this is uh, this is the Doug is an idiot portion of the program. I insisted that Todd Bowles had to use Devin White as a blitzer and nothing else against the Saints. Uh, I will say White's interior blitz was a catalyst for Breeze's interception to Sean Murphy Bunting because it forced Breeze off his spot, and that wasn't great for Breeze. But in three games against the Saints this season, White has no pressures of any kind zero, zero, zero sacks, hits, hurries. Pretty weird for the NFL's best off-ball blitzer. Um, and I would maybe, I would call that at least a pressure. So maybe, you know, PFF, maybe go back and look at that one. Uh, White also had that pick off a really bad priest throw to Kamara. I just, I, at that point, I'm like, can we just take him out and like reverse yeah. the, the game and make this never happen? But against the Packers in week six, White got a sack and three pressures and Bulls lined him up all over the place. So we'll see. But White also became the first player ever to have at least 10 tackles, an interception, and a fumble recovery in his first playoff game. So that's that's me not knowing what the hell I'm talking about. Just wanted to end it there. <sighs> we all take our Alice. We all take our Alice. I would expect, um, well, I would be surprised if, because they did all, I mean, it was, you know, it was sim pressure in the A-gaps. It was bare fronts with, White and there was one where there was what Rogers must have been thinking, what the hell is this? They had White and David in a bare front as the uh pass rushing outside linebackers and Shaquille Barrett as the off ball guy. That was pretty twisted. That yeah, that yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it. There were two teams this year that gave Rogers fits and made him confused, and it was Panthers and Buccaneers. Um pressure you know, coverage. It, it's, yeah. new, it's new NFL. Tucker. <sighs> Any thought? Any more thoughts on that game? Because that's your, that was kind of your coverage this week. Anything? No, I mean, I, I think this is in a sense a game. You know, you talk about the matchups that could sort of dictate the game. Um, can Green Bay have a rebound performance against this defense, or is Vita Vey going to be the sort of X factor that we've talked about? I mean, I, I think this game is going to be won or lost when Green Bay has the football. Because this is the on, some on off splits are like, eh, that doesn't match up with the tape. This matches up with the tape. When Vita V is in that in that front, it, it's yeah. a whole different deal. Yeah. And as we said, if 
if the Buccaneers don't have to sacrifice their safety positioning to stop uh, Green Bay's run game, boy, yeah. whole different story. So, Bills at Chiefs. Uh, Mark, you've been a quarterback. I haven't. Let's say Patrick Mahomes clears the concussion protocol, which we all know he will because the percussion, <laughs> concussion protocol is so incredibly solid. But the toe injury. Yeah. How does that affect his base, his mechanics, his throwing platform? I don't know which toe it is. Like if it's his plant toe or his, you know, uh, pinky toe is Delarisa and Harlem Knights. Now I got to pick. Now I, I can't pick that up. There's like 14 f bombs in it, but you know, right? Yeah, that's not safe for work. Uh, well, safe for work. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 left foot, so it's it's a couple of things. It's finishing throws. Um, now, obviously, look, Mahomes is talented enough with his arm that he doesn't need perfect mechanics to finish throws with a velocity, but that's one area. He's almost better. Off. It's kind of like Stafford where he's almost better without it. Yeah. Um, like the weirder he gets, the better it is. I, I think where it might show up is pocket movement in terms of him evading pressure. Uh, Mahomes is weird in that he'll give you a Dan Fouts, like 14 step backpedal, eight yards deep. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually saw some people putting out the, uh, the average splits for offensive linemen this year. Somebody had that from PFF and the I widest, the widest were the chiefs. And a lot of people are speculating that's because of the Mahomes drops. You're going to widen and force them to the edges artificially um, to give him more space to retreat into the pocket. Cause that's what he does. Um, you might see that hampered. You might see his ability to evade pressure hampered. I know we're going to talk about Leslie Frazier and sort of his thoughts on keeping Mahomes in the pocket. This might keep him in the pocket artificially. Yeah. Now, is that where you want him to be? I don't know. Um, is that just something you say? Because what else are you going to say going up against Kansas city? They're good. Um, but I think those are the areas you'll see it show up. Um, I, we all know he's going to play. I mean, we all know he's going to play. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes at 75%. Let's say, okay, you're, you're the enemy. Sorry, you're never going to be a head coach. Um, yeah. well, apparently. God. That's an entirely that's – yep, That's a show for next can I, week. Can I just say bullshit? Actually, yeah. Bullshit. Um, they didn't really run a different offense than Chad Henney. And – Andy Reid, going back to all those guys in Philadelphia that were like borderline backups, and they, you know, McNabb would get hurt and they'd start three games. And Andy knows how to make bad, well, I don't want to say bad, below average tools quarterbacks look like Joe Montana for about two or three games. Yep. I didn't see any difference in the game plan when, uh, yep. when Henny went in, which is no, no, I mean, you know, it's the sort of Marcia Broda. They ran sort of the same. I mean, it's it's a little different with Mahomes because Mahomes can do more. But without Smith, you know, it wasn't like Andy Reid invented spread when Mahomes came in. They were no. It, first of all, Alex Smith played spread at, at Utah. At Utah under Urban Meyer, two thousand four. Yeah, so, and he was the first overall pick. I mean, yeah. and and when they drafted Mahomes, but sat him for the year. Look at what Smith did in that offense. Yep. I mean, it was sort of the start of the Andy Reid West Coast on steroids that we're seeing right now. Um, you know, Reid is who he is. You know, he's a guy that's going to run speed option with Patrick Mahomes on fourth and short and then turn around and put the game in Chad Henney's hands and have him throw the ball on fourth and short. I mean, you call it the spread coast offense. I like that. I like that. Um, you know, we all know Mahomes is going to go. Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing for me in this game, uh, it's great that we get two re- rematches um, in the championship game. Yeah, which is 
weird. And the Chiefs and the Bills playing in an AFC championship game for the 27th year yet again. Because it was like 27 years ago, and then another 20 just weird. We're all living in a simulation. These are two completely different teams than we saw back in week six. Yes. Because that Buffalo team, it was in the midst of a Josh Allen stretch that we can talk about. They had a lot of injuries. And at the start, this Chiefs team back in week six, that was sort of around the start of this weird sort of set of circumstances where since blowing out the Jets, I think in week eight or week nine, Every game of theirs, except for the Week 17 game where they sat everybody, has been a one-score game. Well, I don't, I don't want to say Mahomes hasn't played well, but it's 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 just weird to me because either they're a completely battle-tested team, iron sharpens iron, or they're just ripe for losing. I will say I I would like, and this this sounds crazy because of who it is, I would like to see Mahomes work from the pocket more and bail. I, I think let's say if the ideal, if his ideal is 2.8 seconds in the pocket, I think he's bailing at about 2.4 or 2.5. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him at about three. Yeah. Um, and well, let, okay. I'll get into this. Uh, Bill's defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier said this week that the main thing you have to do to, against Mahomes is keep him in the pocket because if you let him bail, you're in real trouble. I don't know. That's just, you know, typical press conference bullshit on Frazier's part, but Mahomes barely left the pocket against the Bills in week six, four times completed two passes for 31 yards from the pocket. He completed 19 of 22 passes for 179 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a passer rating of 130.9 and an EPA of 5.7. Is that good? That's pretty good, Doug. Pretty good. Both touchdowns were to Travis Kelsey. Both saw Kelsey exploiting voids in Buffalo's zone coverage. One touchdown against uh, Tremaine Edmonds. One on Jordan Poyer where it looked like a coverage bust between Poyer and Tredavious White. When guys are pointing at each other while the guys scoring a touchdown, that's never a good sign. And if you think, well, I'll just put a cornerback on Kelsey. Did you see that move that Kelsey put on Denzel Ward in the divisional round game? I think Denzel Ward has to take like a gap year now. My ankles broke watching that. Ouch. Yeah. So Mahomes in the pocket, and yes, he's a cyborg. 16 touchdowns, no interceptions outside the pocket. Threw all six of his interceptions from inside the pocket. But I think in a game like this, for one thing, Buffalo Buffalo and Cleveland did not – we go back to – well, I'll, just, I'll bring up the, the numbers here. Um so, yeah, Mahomes is a cyborg outside the pocket. He's just as dangerous inside. The key for the Bills would be to get pressure on Mahomes without blitzing. And this is where the Bills have a real problem. Uh, per pro football reference, they blitz 35.8% of their defensive snaps, eighth highest in the league. They generate pressure on 21% of their defensive snaps, tied for eighth worst with the Panthers and the Browns. Last week, Cleveland managed to pressure Mahomes on six of his 31 dropbacks. Is that good? No. Hmm. Week six, the Bills pressured Mahomes on 12 of his 34 dropbacks, but Mahomes completed four of six passes for 64 yards and a touchdown under pressure. If they can't pressure Mahomes with four, because, you know, we've talked about, like, how do you beat Mahomes, the hypothetical how do you beat Mahomes. Right. Um, I think you have to show him a few things. You can't blitz him because that's just death. Um, if you can get pressure with four, the primary thing, and they have the guys to do this, I think you have to match the middle. Anything that comes as a crosser, 
Yeah, you've got to rob those. You've got to rob those. Of course, you have to decide, like, do I double one on – because they've got two ones. Kelsey's a one and Hill's a one. So, like, do I double one on Kelsey or do I double one on Hill? And I was listening to Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker football podcast this morning. He mentioned that probably the hardest formation to defend right now is the three-by-one the Chiefs run where Kelsey is the ex-ISO and Tyreek Hill is the inside slot guy. And the defensive coordinator is like, oh, F off. Right. Because, you know, if you're going to double Kelsey, I mean, if you're going to double Hill as the number three to that trip side on the inside, then you're really effed to the backside with that Y ISO because what are you going to do? Are you going to double both guys and play nobody in the middle of the field? Like, you, your dream is if you're going to go Y ISO with Kelsey as a defensive coordinator, is to have Hill on the boundary at the one. Yeah. Because then, look, you're forcing the tougher throw, which. Again, with Mahomes, he can make all of them in his sleep, but you know, it at least gives you a fighting chance. But when you've got those two guys on the inside, forget it, because then that opens up some something that they do often. Cross those two. And now you're picking off. If you get a double one of those, you get guys running into each other, and it just gives Mahomes some easy throws. Um, well, yeah, and I think you have to match the middle. You have to delay Mahomes' crosser looks because you know the Broncos did that to him his first year as a starter. Um, they played heavy match over the middle. They, they worked in some cover zero blitzes and they made it work because a lot of times his hots are the crossers. Yeah. Uh, here's one thing the Bills don't want to do. Don't play too high. They had the most dropbacks of two in too high of any team in week six tied with the Colts with 18. Both of the homes touchdowns came against too high. And overall he completed 14 of 18 passes for 179 yards. So don't do that. Okay. When you play some single high, <sighs> I guess you can try late looks. It's not, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, I, I think what works in Buffalo's favor is their two safeties yeah. um, because you need. But, but, I mean, that's, we can say hide and play were great, but the more I studied the AFC teams this week, the more I thought, man, yeah, they're good, but it's where you put them and it's how you spin them. And, you know, you remember week one, the, the, the first game of the 2020 season when the Texans came out and said, we're just going to give you two high all day. Remember what Clyde Edwards Lair did? And yeah, I, I mean, you, no, it can't just be can't stay too high. because Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, run game coordinator, by the way, right? Um, they'll they'll just they'll run it up your ass all day, and it could yeah, be- no. I mean, you've got to spin one of those guys down. you know the guy who delivers UPS, like uh, Andy Reid's sub at uh, lunchtime, could go in there and gain fifty yards. So against yeah. too high because. Against the Chiefs, you're not playing too high. You're playing too high, like high, all caps. Right. Um, so I think we can talk about the safeties and that being a, a hypothetical advantage. Um, you're up to the Browns. I and, and the Browns have the worst deep safeties in the league because they have none. I thought they did a pretty nice job of spinning stuff and making it look different to where, you know, Mahomes. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if Sorensen is called for that hit, that hit, that it's helmet, a different helmet hit. Well, it's not a different game. We're going to get it. Kansas City has the worst red zone defense in the NFL. You put that ball at the four or the one or wherever it goes, probably a touchdown. Probably we're talking about Browns Bills. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I wrote before Super Bowl 40 or 54 high that Tyron Matthews should have been the defensive player of the year for the 2019 season. Sorry, Stefan Gilmore. Love you, but I think Matthew was more valuable. He's played even better this season. Seven interceptions, two touchdowns allowed, 64.9% opponent passer rating allowed. 
And it's the combination of Matthew and Legereus Sneed, the rookie cornerback, very dangerous for the Bills. And the reason is Sneed played the first three games. Then he got a broken clavicle, came back week 11, I believe. When he came, he was outside corner because Breland was suspended. Then he came back and he's such a good blitzer and he's such a good slot corner that said, okay, you're going to be our primary slot guy and our blitzer. And who was that before? It was Tyron Matthew. So now Tyron is the lurk of all lurks. And I, I, I put up a piece on Touchdown Wire this morning um, about how Matthew is the best guesser in the NFL. Richard Sherman was talking about him this week on the Collinsworth podcast with Sherman. And you don't hear this often. Sherman compared him to Ed Reed. Said he guesses so often. And it, you know, of course, the first thing you think of and I think of is what? Bill check football life. I'll check Brady yeah. at the desk. Well, the second that I think of is remember that story that Peyton Manning had? Yes. About one of the Reed interceptions where like Reed set him up for it. I that's just incredible. Matthew does stuff like that. Yeah. Um now we can talk about how Josh Allen has improved against zone and improved against late coverage switches. That Kansas City game, 14 and 27 for 122 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, pass a rating of 73.4, second worst of the season behind his 65.5 against the Patriots in week eight. So that was that kind of three to four game stretch. And I think the Dolphins were in there too, where you know uh, Flores and Boyer were showing all that diabolical crap they do. Three or four game stretch where and we, we this is obviously something we talked about a lot. The, the the three parts of the triptych of Josh Allen's season, which was blow man coverage to bits in the first month, zone and late coverage, and his head explodes, and then he sort of gets it back. It was a lot of check down stuff, and you know, he's better with it, but there isn't another guy like Matthew. No. And there isn't another slot guy who can Lejeune Sneed has a sack in each of his three the, the three games he the divisional round and then uh, he didn't play week seventeen probably because the Chiefs had it all sewn up uh, weeks fifteen and sixteen sack divisional round sack and one of the reasons Sneed is so good at getting pressure off the edge is that he's excellent at making it look like oh I'm just you know I'm I'm covering your nub guy your guy aligned to the formation. And then he blitzes. But he also, I mean, you should go back and look at the, the pick he had on Breeze um, where he took little Jordan Humphrey and matched him outside and just killed the guy. Um, he's He reminds me a little bit of Richard Sherman in about 2011. Where yeah. he's just starting to figure it out. But, um, you know, and... I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll mention the, the, the Chiefs' worst red zone defense in the NFL, 32nd overall in DVOA, 32nd against the pass, 31st against the run, 32nd in goal-to-go situations. And this is where Josh Allen has an obvious advantage. Bills rank 5th in passing DVOA in the red zone, 25th in rushing, 5th in goal-to-go. I didn't have a – because I did NFC the two previous weeks. I didn't have time – it would take a lot to, like, go back. To, okay, why does their red zone offense just stink? Um, I mean – do you have any thoughts on based on what you've seen? I mean, I think a lot of it is from what I've seen, just stuff gets so compressed down there 
that the smallest misstep, the smallest stake is just you're done as a defense. And so a lot of the like rubs, which, you know, traffic creating concepts have given them trouble down there. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part of it. I, I think another thing to remember in this game, you know, we've talked about Josh Allen against Owen and things like that. And you're right. This was that part of that four game stretch, Tennessee, Kansas City. Yeah. A Jets game. Yeah. Yeah. A Jets game in New England in week eight where Allen's numbers were brutal against mm-hmm. zone. Um, he, and I had this from sports info solutions, 50 completions, 78 attempts, 58 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions, an NFL passer rated of 69.4 against zone in that four game stretch. Mm-hmm. And that's including a jets game where he threw for 300 yards, like strip that game out. 35 of 42 for 332, one touchdown, four interceptions, 67.9 passer rating. But then he had a four-game stretch late in the year, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, New England, and Denver. 52 of 74, 617 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, NFL passer rated of 107.7. Now, those like, are so, all, there, there, there are no puppies in there. Those no, are no. Those, those are, are some pretty good teams. Yeah. And the other thing to th- keep in mind here, Allen – Missed on some man coverage chances in that game in week six. Mm-hmm. Even though they were missing some guys, guys were banged up. He had a throw early in the game. He had digs on a corner on a deep crosser. Yeah, no one will play, and it's because his offense is going to score 35 points a game or more. He will run cover zero blitz and just not give a damn. Yeah. Um, so he had man coverage opportunities. He just missed on them. Yeah. He had owed two or three of those. Again, we're talking about a different game back in week six, and this is part of the reason why I think you and I are in agreement that these are two completely different teams right now, particularly on Buffalo's side, because they've gotten better on the offensive side of the ball. And this is one of Tredavious White's first games back from when he was dealing with some injuries. That's also pretty When he got healthy, that whole defense changed. But I'll tell you another guy who's made a big difference. I think you know who I'm going to say. Probably. Teron Johnson. Yes, uh, I'm going to go with, let's see, five DBs. I want to get like a sense of – my sense is the Bills run a crap ton of nickel. I would yes, bet on that. 269 passing attempts. Teron Johnson has become that guy. Had the long pick six against Lamar Jackson where he just jumped into the window. And if you jump into the window against Lamar, you can get away with it because, you know, sorry, Lamar. Yeah. Oh, yikes. So I'm watching Patrick Mahomes interceptions and there was one in week uh, 16 against the Falcons. And it was a uh, linebacker for Sade Olakun. I, I almost got it. Almost. I was looking at the pronunciation guide. Um, really an underrated player. And he did something that I rarely seen a linebacker do. And it was, <laughs> Uh, I tweeted about it. I said, cool little nuance here. This is the uh, Aloakan pick where Tyreek Hill chased him down and prevented a pick six. So keep pick six in your mind because we're going to come back to that. Watch how he looks Mahomes off pre-snaps as a as quarterback will look a safety off. He's looking over to the trip side like, oh, there are only two guys over there. So, I gotta... so Mahomes sees that and he thinks he's got Kelsey wide ass open on the slant. Well, you look at the Teron Johnson pick six against Lamar. Teron Johnson is playing off and Mark Andrews has his sit route. And because Johnson's playing off, um, Jackson thinks he's got Andrews wide ass open on the sit route. It's, it's not the same route, but it's kind of the same spacing. 
Yeah. You can fool Patrick Mahomes into interceptions with weight movement. And the Bills are really good at this. Teron Johnson has two pick sixes this year, one, one against the Ravens in the playoffs, one against the Steelers, where each time he made it look like one thing, jumped it late. And Mahomes is a little bit susceptible to that. Yeah, and, you know, both those interceptions. Quarterbacks are. Yeah, I mean, most quarterbacks are. And both of these interceptions, the Falcons won and then the Teron Johnson won, it's an example of a quarterback making that assumption of what he's getting backside before confirming it and just let it fly. Um, if you can change that pitcher when you're not in the field of vision as a defense, you're going to have success. Um, and this is something I think to watch because if Buffalo can get a turnover or two in this game, I really like their chances. I like their chances anyway. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think if we're going to see one of these two road team wins, I'm putting my money on Buffalo. Uh, but if they can force a mistake from Mahomes, two mistakes from Mahomes, I really feel good about where they'll be. I think, well, we'll see where Vita Bay is. But the way the Packers are controlling a defenses with the run game and the and the big play passing game based off the run game and the way LaFleur is dialing it up. I mean, God, talk about student becomes a teacher. He might be a better game player than Kyle Shanahan right now. He's just he might be. This is Mozart the way it should be played. Um, I think the Buccaneers probably fall a little bit short. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that week six. Um, because I think Rodgers will call a lot more of the protections. Um, they'll still have their deep shots. I think, you know, you'll see a pretty similar plan from Tampa Bay. I just get the feeling that Green Bay is going. Um, I think KC is going. I, what I think is going to happen is Spagnolo is still going to have a plan to have Josh Allen's head explode with, with late movement, late switches. I, I can't overemphasize how, how important it is that Tyron Matthew became the lurk defender when Legereus Need returned and got out of the slot. And now you, you saw that pick against Mayfield where he's just waiting. And the whole time he's just like, yeah, bring it, bring it. Yeah. He had two picks against Drew Locke. You know, um, he had a pick against Derek Carr uh, last year, and he does this a lot. He was running. He was he was controlling the post, and halfway through the post, he knew that wasn't the play. It was the out to Darren Waller. He's going up, and here's Waller, and he's like going the post to I don't remember the receiver, and as he's going past Waller, he moves to control Waller. I mean, this is just, you know, when Richard Sherman compares him to Ed Reed, I, I, my ears perk up. Right. Um, I mean, my, my only. I've heard Sherman tell a story that when the Niners offensive players were preparing for Super Bowl 54, the one guy they couldn't game plan for was Matthew because they were like, we don't know what he's doing. Right. He doesn't have a tendency. I think that's going to be one of the differences, maybe the primary difference. Look, Josh Allen is, you know, potential MVP candidate. He's come so far, man. I think you have to be just on a slightly more elevated level as far as how you read and where you go against, against Matthew specifically. Yeah. It's not a great pass defense, but it would be like horrible without him. I mean, my only thought there, and that's all right. Um, 
Allen has gotten better at using his eyes as a quarterback. Oh, sure. Well, and I do think that there are going to be some opportunities where, where he could bait Matthew just a little bit. And it might just take one play. Um, you know, Matthew might get some plays. Um, he might get some breakups. He might get a turnover. Um, but with, with that jalapeno, you've talked about this. Uh, they love to run a double post in the over. over. Yeah. Um, if he can move him to one of those guys, throw the other one, as he's shown the ability to do this year, that might deliver a big play for Buffalo. Um, I think I'm a little bit more um, bullish on that Buffalo's chances than you are, um, just because I, I do think. I mean, just from a, an aesthetic sense, uh, being an AFL guy, AFL historian, I would love Packers Chiefs yeah, Super Bowl one redo. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm letting my heart guide my head. I don't. Know. No, I mean, I mean, I think the Chiefs are favored by three at home. It's a push, and I think it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, look, this is the AFC Championship game everybody wanted. I, in in a sense, I think we got the two games that people wanted. People wanted Brady Breeze, people wanted Bills Chiefs. We got them. It should be two fantastic games. Brady Rogers, I mean, I mean Brady Rogers. Yeah, um, I, I think we're gonna get two very close games. Um, I, I expect two very good games. Um, and I really don't see like a bad Super Bowl that could come emerge from this. Um. Any, any of the potential matchups that we would get in Tampa will have incredible storylines. Um, so I think we're in for a fantastic afternoon of football. Yep. The only thing about this Super Bowl, first one I won't have been to since 46. Yeah, that, that part stinks. Sucks. Anyway. Yep. First world problems, I'm aware. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I'm just whining. Just, we can whine. Whining's okay. All right, man. Uh, any, any other thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, as usual, we will have this covered, um, all weekend long until yeah, we next week. Uh, we have, uh, what is it? Nine, nine pieces, nine. Pieces. Yeah. Nine. That's been a big number for this show. Um, and look next week, you will get Monday morning, senior bowl watch pieces from myself. Right. It's senior bowl week. Something else we're not getting to do. Um, although my credit card will be happy because I won't be running up a bar tab at Veet's. Um, which virtual is good. Bar tab at Veets. Is yeah, it virtual? Pit, is the Brig Pit gone, by the way? No, it's still there. Okay, that's the uh, best barbecue ever. So yeah. how many how many times have we read were all twenty two pieces this week? Nine times. Nine times. That's how many times. That's how many times. Yeah, no saucy cues. My my cardiologist will also saucy be happy. Is, saucy cue is like an eight. Brick Pit is a ten. See, I'm I'm very partial to saucies. Um, I, I always thought about trying to find a way to order some. Um, via like Postmates or something just to replicate it. Um, can't quite figure that out. But anyway, look, Super yeah. Bowl next week too. The f- fun never stops. Yep. Remember, was it, uh, oh, it was that MASH episode where um, I think Hawkeye got the ribs from Adam's ribs? Yeah. Yeah. So do that. Something like that. Yeah, do that. All right, man, good stuff. Uh, always more to come on TD Wire, Super Bowl, Senior Bowl. We just keep rolling. We just and, keep rolling. Uh, we'll talk again on Monday. Yep. With the, uh, with Teaser. The game uh, forensics. All right, man. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good.